Hello and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Jamie Rachi. Jamie is a fertility care practitioner, a podcaster, wife, mother, speaker. You guys, Jamie is incredible and I'm so excited to share this conversation that I had with her. Through a personal invitation from our Lord, Jamie's work now involves sharing the truth about God's creation and she's made it her personal mission to educate women and couples on the truths of their fertility while also inviting other women and couples to say yes or say fiat to their bodies the way that she said yes to God's plan for her life so many years ago. In this episode, Jamie and I talk about how a track injury changed the course of her professional life, the relationship she has with the word fiat, and the different ways that she promotes and protects the divine design that God has given each one of us. Jamie. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Feminine Genius Podcast. Maybe to start for listeners who may not know you just yet, would you be able to introduce yourself? Yes. So my name is Jamie Rachi, and I live in Iowa with my husband and three kiddos. I'm a fertility care practitioner, and I'm the founder of Guiding Star Cedar Valley, which is a women's nonprofit healthcare center. And so just really passionate about the feminine design and the way God made our bodies, because I believe really so much that our body tells a story about the way in which God created us and the intention he has for our bodies. As you alluded to, there are a lot of different aspects of your story that we're going to dive into, but I guess if you don't mind starting at the beginning, when did you come to know Jesus and how has that journey been like for you? Yeah, totally. Cradle Catholic, middle of five kiddos, went to mass every Sunday, you know, rain or shine, mostly if we were not dying, we were there on Sunday. So really just blessed to have that formation up front. I can say that growing up, I was and still am very curious. And so I can say that as I grew up, I wasn't super convicted or I don't think I really understood the Jesus thing. I knew God, like, please, you need to please God, please the Lord, do right, not wrong. But the whole idea of having a relationship with Jesus and understanding you know, his sacrifice on the cross for us. I didn't really understand that part, but I knew it meant something. I just couldn't quite verbalize it ever. And so move out of the house, go to college, all the things. And I actually went to a Catholic university and it wasn't until I actually transferred from that Catholic university to a public university that I found my faith. And what it took was people who did not believe the same thing as me because I'm naturally curious and I want to know why. I don't know to ask why if everybody's opinions are the same as mine. It was really when I was given the opportunity to have conversations with people who don't believe the same as me that really ignited my fire and my curiosity. And so I went on a path outside of the Catholic Church for a good year of my collegiate life. And it was really there. 
when I started recognizing Jesus as Lord. Like, I guess I just didn't understand that the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, the Trinity, I didn't grasp that concept. So I just remember like in college, my college roommate, she'd wake up every morning and she'd have her Bible and she'd just be reading it every day, every morning. And she didn't make a big thing about it. And she sat at the counter and read her Bible. And I thought, I'm going to do that. Hmm. I'm going to do that. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to grab my Bible. And I'm going to just ask her what she's reading. And I'm just going to read right alongside her. Might as well. Because I still had a deep conviction to know Jesus and to understand my faith. I just needed to dig deep in there. And I didn't know the Bible and all these other things that the Christian roommates knew and had. And they had this fire and I wanted that. So I started going to a non-denominational church and it wasn't until one full year that I felt a shift Hmm. and it was on Easter, which makes it even more beautiful. So this whole year of college, I think it was like maybe my sophomore or junior year, my parents didn't know I wasn't going to mass, but I would go to mass with my family when we, I'd visit, they didn't know I was like in this quandary. They probably did. They just didn't, they needed to give me space probably. So Easter, you know, with my family and every mass before that point, I'd be so angry that Mm -hmm. not everyone could take the Eucharist. I'd be so mad that it was only for Catholics. It just really bothered me. That's why I stopped taking the Eucharist, why I started going to a different church, because it made me so mad. Anyway, Easter Sunday with my family, for some reason, mass seemed different that day. When the priest was praying the Eucharistic prayer, you know, raising the host right above his head. And he says, do this in memory of me. It was like Jesus was saying it to me directly. He's saying, do this in memory of me. And it just affected me. It was like in that moment, I realized that people can do that though. Like Catholics aren't the only ones that we are, but somebody who wants to learn about receiving the Eucharist can't. They just need to learn about it first. (laughs) You know, why is that so wrong to understand and to be formed to know what the Eucharist is before you can take it? It's not just for a secret club. (laughs) The Catholics aren't a secret club. Anybody can take the Eucharist. You just have to know what it is first, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. If it's Christ, we want to know and respect and revere this moment. So it was really from there that my faith really exploded and grew because now mass was magical to me. It was so beautiful every time following that Easter Sunday Mass, because I had been formed in in the Bible and had understood Jesus, and then was picking up on all the scripture that Mass is laced with, and it had more context for me. And so for that, I'm so thankful. Exploration time I had, because it ultimately helped me really just stake that faith as my own and authentically mine. Beautiful. Like you were saying, just the fact that it was Easter, the biggest day, the biggest part of our Catholic faith and the biggest sacrifice that you know our God made to give his only son for you to really experience that love and really encounter that face to face is really incredible. So thank you for sharing that. What a gift. It was an amazing gift. And even just from then on, you know, there's just a piece about my faith that there was a strength where even guys I would date who weren't Catholic we started arguing about our faith all the time. Mm. And actually that was before this moment of mine. And then after this moment, started dating another guy and I vowed to never date a non-Catholic ever again. <laughs> Fights about our faith. I'm like, who wants that? Um, so funny, my husband now is a Catholic man, but he was not when I married him. 
And I somehow like had this major piece about it. I just wanted his faith to be authentically his. And I do believe in prayer and baptism. We have those graces. He was baptized Lutheran. I do believe that if we are open to the Lord, more people than not will likely be led to the Catholic faith if there's openness there and if there's understanding. And so praise God, my husband, there was openness, there was understanding. I didn't even go with him to RCIA. Wanted it to be his, and I was his wife. <laughs> so I was totally cool with it. So it, there was just a, a huge shift in my own personal faith prior to that moment, post that moment, which I'm very thankful for too. So my husband's Catholic and was brought into the church three years, I think, after we were married. We've been married for ten. Wow. Thanks be to God, you and your husband have been married 10 beautiful years now, and he's been Catholic for most of that. And through that relationship, encountering Christ for yourself and then being able to share that outside of yourself as well. Absolutely. And too, you know, you hear about how when we're cradle Catholic, we take our faith for granted. We don't really like connect there sometimes. Often it takes like a reversion or some inspired moment or whatever, right. um, or just a, like just a huge gift and tons of prayers to just be so connected to our Catholic faith, you know. So I think, too, that's very interesting where my husband's faith is very authentic. It wasn't cradle Catholic. Everything means something to him. Mm -hmm. Whereas cradle Catholic wise, sometimes we forget how yeah. cool our faith is and all that is involved in that. So, yeah, we love talking at pre-marriage retreats where mm -hmm. there's like a Catholic and then another denomination because there can be common ground if there's an openness to the right. Holy Spirit. And just there's a piece there. Wonderful. Earlier on, when you were introducing yourself, you're talking about the feminine design and you work in uh, fertility awareness and fertility care. I guess like I'm curious to know, like where that interest for you started and how did that grow? Like, did you study biology in college or where did this happen? So funny enough, I decided to study fertility awareness based methods, which is basically the secular term for NFP. I decided to study five different systems and compare them to each other as my graduate research paper, you know, to graduate. And the reason I chose that topic was because my husband and I, at the time we were engaged and we wanted to practice a natural system to understand our fertility, whether we're avoiding or achieving or whatever. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just choose that for my research topic. I didn't ever, ever believe or know or even feel convicted to learn this and share it because I just was doing it for our own marriage. Because at the time I was a collegiate athlete and I was injured the year before. So I'm like, I might as well just get my master's. Just casual. <laughs> we'll get my master's. Well, let's get my master's before. It doesn't matter which one. <laughs> it's funny that God really allowed for this injury mm -hmm. my senior year because track was everything to me. I didn't really know what I wanted to do professionally. I thought I was going to go to the Peace Corps. I was also thinking about occupational therapy. So I tear my Achilles in the middle of a four by four. My whole career just flashed before my eyes. At the end of this whole like dramatic scenario, of course, I was offered an extra year to run and I'd get recouped and then run one more year. And then I decided to do that. That's the only reason. The Lord wow. used that track injury to reset me, I feel like, because my focus was not on the right thing. And when I started learning about fertility awareness-based systems, I started realizing, like, I'm not the only one that needs to know this. There are so many women and men and young girls who need to understand about the functioning of their fertility cycle because it's not 
just to avoid or achieve pregnancy. It's a measure of health. You know, we're always thinking about being healthy and eating correctly and organic food and yada, yada. But hello, like it's a measure of health, just like, you know, our heart rate and our temperature are measures of health. Our fertility is too. So when we don't know that, then unknowingly, we suffer the consequences of major issues or we put on the pill with side effects we never wanted in the first place, plus a million other things. So this is kind of long, but to answer your question, that's how I got started into this fiery desire to share with people what they were never told Mm -hmm. about their fertility cycle. So I interviewed doctors and nurses in my community. It started off as a literature review where basically just read a bunch of studies and write about it. And then I'm like, I need to ask the people in my own town, doctors and nurses, do you know about this? And why do you never share it as a viable option? So what I learned was that most doctors believe fertility awareness-based methods is the rhythm method. It doesn't work. In my research, I also learned that 50% of doctors never hear about fertility tracking systems in med school. You put a pill on it, done, moving on to the next lesson. The other 50% get a session on it one hour or less, and it's about how you can use natural systems to achieve, but to avoid, it's the rhythm method. Great. So I found in my interviews, that's what the physicians believed when I asked, why don't you share this? doesn't work. It's the rhythm method. I'm like, newsflash. Rhythm method was from 100 years ago. Science has advanced since then. And so for whatever reason, in women's health, there's just a huge hole missing. And I think now people are starting to take notice and start asking those whys and those questions. But yeah, that's how I kind of got convicted on that is huge need, huge unmet need in my own community. And I know it spans across the globe in terms of that need. My understanding of what you just said, a couple things, I guess, pop up where on the one hand, for something that is as innate, um, especially for us as women, as our biology, our fertility, our cycle, you know, something that we deal with on a monthly basis. And I guess like not feeling even comfortable enough to stay with it. Because I think my approach to it is just, this is my life now. I'm going to have to deal with this for the next, I don't know how many years. It sucks. I know it'll help me, God willing, if I want to have a family. This is something I need to be aware of. But right now, it sucks. I hurt all the time. And that's just it. And then on the flip side, you know, hearing about this experience that you have with the physicians and the nurses that you interviewed, how many times this is not even on their radar when it comes to medical school, or if it is, it's a very, very small portion. So then it it awakens in me just this fact that, you know, it's not just missing in the medical field, but it's missing for all of us where I'm only, only now and just understanding that there really is more to it than just hurting and it's sucking every month. Once you came up with this research, you finally got your master's. What was the next thing that you felt that you needed to do with this information? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, after my research, often you have to do a research paper or do a presentation of some kind. After my whole research paper and my whole submission, I was asked to give presentations to the women's health students at the university that I graduated from. I was super excited and I was only just sharing the facts. I wasn't sharing a new invention. I wasn't sharing like some epiphany I had. I was literally just sharing with them like the story of their own body that they live in. I was just explaining to them the biology, okay? So I'm in this class and I actually following a presentation by a woman who worked at an abortion clinic. 
healthcare center. Okay. And so she gave her presentation after her, I gave mine. And so as I was sharing about the, just how the body works and what these shifting hormones mean and, and how we can tell when we're fertile or infertile, or how do we know when there's a problem? What's normal? When do we get the help? After my presentation, there was a line of women waiting to ask questions of me. And I can't say that actually, it sounds a little like big headed. It's really not. It didn't surprise me that there was that line because as I was presenting all the information, it's like I could just tell that I was landing the plane for these women. They never heard this in their women's health majors. This was news to them. And so I could tell as I went through the line and I was explaining all this information, the lights would click on in their head because you can tell when you look at their eyes. Like Mm -hmm. when you're giving a lesson, a teacher always knows, okay, are they getting it? Like, are their eyebrows furrowed? Are they heightened? Like something was happening to these women. So women waiting in line, asking me all these questions. The last person in the line was the lady who worked at that other healthcare center. Wow. Like, I never heard that before. She's like, do you want to partner with me? And like, we could put together a continuing ed thing. And I'm like, that's interesting concept. Like, I was proud of her for being vulnerable enough to say, like, I didn't know that. And I'm thinking, you're like a nationwide brand. Like mm. you were for a nationwide, quote unquote, healthcare center, mm. which is not really serving women and are pro-abortion. And you are finding something in what I'm saying. It gave me hope that it's not that women are deciding not to practice natural systems. I'm going to choose not to practice understanding my body. I'm going to choose the pill instead. Women aren't even choosing a pill. They're being offered it and they don't know what they're doing. There's no informed consent. So in that moment, I realized women just are not choosing at all. We talk about pro-choice, pro-life. No, this is not a choice thing. No one's choosing this. At the very end, I go home. I'm so excited that I really felt like I'm like creating an impact here. And I get an email from the professor and she said, you will never believe what happened. After your presentation, four of the women of this class of like 20 or 25, they asked me if they could change the topic of their end of the semester research paper to what you just gave. They only have like two weeks to finish and they had the whole semester and they changed it. I'm like, So it just gave me information. So from there, my soul was ignited. I was just imagining me giving all these talks that would inspire women. In my quiet moments, I would just envision all of what I would say to anybody if they would just sit and listen. With that, I decided to do research. I found that fertility care with the Creighton method was a very medical system to teach people how to track their cycle. Because at that point, you know, people are reading books. There wasn't really apps at that time. It was like 10 years ago or something. Trying to figure out how to learn this stuff. That's not really going to work. We need to see it through the lens of healthcare and not through the lens of mission work from the Catholic church, which is great. In order to change healthcare, it has to be seen as legit and not just something that a volunteer couple does three times a year for people who need it for pre-marriage. That's good, but it doesn't end there. And the most significant moment in my life, because it connects to everything, one word specifically that was given to me, I believe from God, set the course of my life in a millisecond. So I go and I'm getting trained to become a fertility care practitioner. 
in my heart and my soul, I am like at a war inside because I know my husband is a teacher. And at the time I was working at the local university as an admissions counselor. Okay. So I had a full-time job, but I couldn't stop thinking about all of this. And I am wondering, am I supposed to quit this full-time job Hmm. and solely dedicate my professional life to this? It was scary because we would need financial assistance. Like we need two incomes for our home. But is that what God's calling us to do? So as I'm getting trained this first full week session in Omaha, we were asked to think about the name of our fertility care center. And like after you're trained as a fertility care practitioner, you get to have a fertility care center. And I couldn't just call it something like normal. And I kept wrestling around with it. It agonized me the whole day. That night as I was drifting off to bed, I was wrestling around with it and I just could not stop thinking about what I was going to call the center. And right before I drift off to sleep, fiat comes to my mind. And at that time, I didn't know what fiat was besides the car. (laughs) Fiat? I'm like, that sounds amazing. Fiat Fertility Care Center. Like, Mm -hmm. God, I think you just answered my question. Mm -hmm. I don't know what fiat means but I think I'm supposed to call it Fiat Fertility Care Center. So I write it on a sheet of paper. I go to bed, wake up the next day, look up what Fiat was. And when I looked at the meaning of that word, I believe that immediately God was asking me to say Fiat to him Hmm. and his will for me. Instantly in that minute, I knew I had to quit my job and say Fiat to fertility care, basically. Fiat to women. Because if I can say Fiat to God, I can help other women say fiat as well, not only to God, but also to their God-given body. It's all interconnected in my mind. Everything that I try to do is really centered around the trust Mary had, but also the biological nature of her physical body. I go home, I make a connection with a physical doctor I had never met, asked him if he would be a partner doctor of mine. He said, yes, he got trained. A year later, he hired me as his fertility care practitioner, and then he changed his whole medical practice name to Fiat Family Medicine. Wow. But that's kind of how it all started. And that's amazing. I mean, as many listeners do know, like the word Fiat, and we've talked about this before, Jamie, the word Fiat in the Gospel of Luke, in just that conversation between Mary and the angel, and essentially, like you're saying, Mary says yes to God gives her consent to allow God to use her and her feminine design for the salvation of the world. You say yes to God so that you can help other women say yes. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that that really is such a powerful use of the feminine genius, of course, but also just like this radical trust that you really had to put into him just because like you're saying, you needed to figure out how you were going to sustain your family. You had a job and it's one of those crazy things. It's like, you know, do I quit my job to pursue something like this, which is not so far gone. It's not like totally out there, but at the same time, I have no idea what the future will come with it. And then, you know, hearing you describe the ways in which it's like, no, God has put everything into place. What a journey. And that was just the beginning of it. Yep. From there, I ran across a Guiding Star project booth at a conference. And this was, you know, kind of in the midst of all this happening in terms of that season of life. And I had just learned about how doctors and nurses like 
This isn't true of all doctors. It just isn't. Some doctors, a lot of doctors are curious and do want to serve their clients and patients in the very best way and will do their research and help women with this fertility care thing. Other doctors, really honestly, they just don't get the thing. They just don't understand it. Anyway, so I was at this Catholic conference, like I said, and I ran across this postcard on a booth of Guiding Star Project. And this postcard was showing a blueprint of a women's healthcare center that had doctors that said NFP only doctors. And I just learned like over that course of a year that doctors would never be NFP only doctors because they Mm -hmm. think it's total weird. But actually there are doctors who do want to care for the whole woman so much so that they don't even prescribe birth control. They're fundamentally opposed to that. So this healthcare model included not only the doctor's fertility care or NFP instructors, but also they expanded the services to women that truly encapsulates and dignifies our nature as women by including midwifery and labor and delivery services, breastfeeding support, a child watch drop-off area. Because I think the world, again, this is just my own lens. It seems like the world tells us children are burdens, you know, like they're a hassle. And gosh, do I really need to bring my kids with me? Well, the good news is that children are a blessing and they're the fruit of you and your husband and the Lord. You can bring them so much. So we're going to make it easy for you that we have a drop off child area where you literally, if you come, you want to breastfeed. The Guiding Star Project model is you drop them off and you go do that. You need to come to a creating class or a support group. Your kids are a part of you. You don't need a babysitter. Just bring them and then we'll watch them for free. And so that model that was introduced to me, I was so empowered and enlightened and excited. So I kept that postcard for six years. (laughs) And so over the course of six years, I would tell people about Guiding Star, just like you would tell somebody about your favorite cookie recipe or the show you're watching. That's how I was with Guiding Star even with people I didn't know so well. I would just start talking about it. And then what was crazy is over the course of years, the people that I would talk about this with started coming to me all in one month, February, 2016. So people I might've had a conversation with a year or two before or whatever started coming to me. Some people I didn't even know. And I talked to once. And so that was our first board. The Lord was like, here they are, Jamie, you said yes to this will, which God asks us all to say yes. I'm going to help you here, Jamie. It's not always easy. And that's what God does for us. He just does. He just gives us what we need when we need it. We became an official Guiding Star Center in September of 2017. And then now we're a fully functioning healthcare center that serves women in fertility care, pregnancy support, postpartum and breastfeeding, and then miscarriage infant loss. So it's just the way we view women and the healthcare we should provide to them. We really believe we can change the culture through healthcare. And so all those who are providing supporting services or professional care services, medical services, all believe in the dignity of the body in the same way as you and I. Now, also, I love oils, gift of the earth, gift of our body. So I have a business called Fiat Them. Everything I do, I want to bring that word into it Mm -hmm. because it's so important. And there's creative power in that word for sure. Absolutely. It's just like what you were talking about earlier, whether it was, you know, the presentation that you gave at the women's health class, or even you had a a wonderful line where you're talking about how do we change the culture? 
And of course, it's like, you know, prayer, the Holy Spirit and sharing the spiritual aspect of it, sharing what God has intended is important because it's these fundamental parts of our faith and our human makeup and biology. But there is also that scientific aspect of it. And just, you know, how do we logically talk about this? And because God is God, like he has that part of it figured out as well. And and I think it is a great reminder to me, and I hope to listeners as well, is that there really is no conflict. And there shouldn't be conflict between like religion and science, religion and medicine. The two should work together. And when they do, such beautiful things can happen. And we're not fighting against who we are and who we're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if we're made in the image and likeness of Christ, of Jesus, of our Lord, then there's meaning and intention behind every function. There's a reason that he created us in the way he created us. Even us underestimating our own immune system, I think people are going to start realizing and understanding like our fertility system is a treasure because we're bringing life into this world, eternal souls that didn't exist before, like Archbishop Fulton Sheen, I love that. The moment new life is brought into this world, the eternal cosmos has changed forever. So in a sense, it's protecting that moment, especially like our, all of our organs and our systems are beautiful with great intention, but our reproductive system is the most, in a sense, divine because it brings forth new life that mm. mirrored the image of God. Like we mirror that. And so we must protect it and we must stand against anything that can impede Mm-hmm. that like in terms of protect that moment of conception when we protect that moment of conception we protect purpose of that person we protect the will that God has for that person and so I feel called and I would love all listeners and all people to call themselves protectors of purpose I'm going to protect that purpose because when we're ingesting artificial hormones it can keep the uterine lining this is a whole other podcast episode but the uterine lining in our uterus, it's too thin for a baby to implant into the side of the uterus. Like it would not sustain it. And so women are making these decisions without knowing that they may be not allowing for that implantation and growth of a child by having intercourse and using hormonal contraception. So therefore we are called to protect that moment of conception. How do we do that? We do not harm our fertility cycle at all and protect sex as sacred Mm-hmm. and not to take apart that like unitive and that procreative nature of that. So that's, again, a whole other thing, but it's important. <laughs> yes. Now, of course, you say it's a whole other thing, but we're going to dive right into, I guess, maybe not the actual episode itself. I know that you have some projects on the go. You already mm-hmm. have a YouTube channel. You have this podcast. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So nurse practitioner, Teresa, Kenny, and I have a podcast called The Hormone Genius. And so we really will dig into the feminine design, specifically the biological design as it has to do with our hormones, not only in matters of achieving or avoiding pregnancy or of fertility or infertility, but just healthy hormones. Like how do we know if our health in regards to like our hormonal functions, how do we know that we're balanced? How do we know that we're healthy? And so It'll dig into it more than just reading a biology book. We'll use analogies, we'll use stories, we'll use humor. And really the goal is to call women to action. We want to make sure we're the noise because if I've learned anything, we don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. We're dignifying people to make the choice. We see it time and time again with college women. Those women never knew. They found out though. And they were excited. And guess what? The ripple effect of their paper and the person that read it is vast because they simply knew. 
the doctors now that know, and now they're no longer prescribing birth control. So the hormone genius, the main goal is to call women to action so that we can be a unified voice, so we can truly change our culture and really empower generations to come. Amen. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, if nothing else, this is exactly what we need to hear. And it's a timeless thing. Like I remember when I started this podcast, like listeners will know that, you know, for me, one of the big thing was that I felt, you know, in our society, there really is like this crisis of womanhood and what it means to be a woman. There is a lot of difficulty now, like whether it's because of, you know, how saturated the media is or social media, this idea or illusion of choice and the medication, the chemicals that are coming out and all of that aside, at the end of the day, it really is us ourselves and God and is what's going on out there. Is that who I am or is there actually something more to me? So I'm just very grateful that there are people like yourself and Teresa who are putting together this podcast. So listeners, please go check that out. And Jamie, I am so grateful to be able to chat with you today. And I guess just as we close, when you think about the journey that you've taken, and of course, there's so much more life to live, just with what you've learned about the feminine design, the feminine genius, how have you seen your own feminine genius play out? For me, it has expanded my understanding of what feminine is. So often we think about feminine as like lace and frills. And growing up, I was not like that at all. And so I was confused about my identity, not so much in a sense of like attraction and those sorts of things, but I just felt kind of like a duck out of water. I didn't feel comfortable within my own skin. But then when I really think about the feminine genius, really what it's meant to be is that first we're rooted as daughters of Christ. We're called daughter first. So that's the root. And then the shoot is our vocation as wife, mother, single person, whatever the case is. And then there's the fruit that only women can bear when we're practicing our vocation as a daughter of Christ. So the feminine genius does not have to be a personality trait. It doesn't have to be an interest. It's about who we call ourselves, our acknowledgement of that vocation. And only from that acknowledgement can we bear the fruit that God asks us to. Because I think for productivity people like myself, that's always the temptation. I need to like get something done. Like I want to produce, produce. But if I'm forgetting my first ordered assignment of daughter, remember that first, Jamie. Then remember your vocation as wife and mother. Anything mm. from that will be fruit, will be blessed and will affect the world. So feminine genius in my mind is far larger and wider and broader, but is divided into those three kind of assignments in that order. Yes. I'm going to have to emphasize that again. You said root, shoot, and fruit. That's amazing. But also, like you said, you know, root, just being rooted in that identity, just having a strong foundation, you know, that vocation, just being that shoot. And like you said, anything that comes from that powerful combination is anointed and it is blessed. I love that. I want to give credit. That was not my thing. Root, shoot, fruit. Um, Rediscovering your feminine genius. It's a book. It's very good. She talks all about that. So that's a great book recommendation for anybody. Just yes. Wonderful. I think that's by Katrina Zeno. If we're thinking of the same book, so I'll, I'll have to look into that because I, I do have it. But Jamie, again, thank you so much. And I guess just as we wrap up this episode, would you mind leading us in a closing prayer? Yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, I just want to say thank you so much for Rachel and for the willingness and the vulnerability and the openness to follow the will you have for her, Lord. 
Um, I thank Rachel for inviting me and for allowing me time to share my story that ultimately, Lord, is your story. I pray for all those who listen to this podcast. I pray for all those who don't, that they may truly, truly seek to understand the dignity and the intention of what you made in them for them and for the world. Lord, help us to truly see the dignity of our fertility cycle, to see it as not only just another system of the body, but to see it as a means and a way to bring forth new life in a way that respects the nature, Lord, the intention of our body that you've set out. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. And we trust in you, Lord, and be with all those again who have special intentions. Let us lift them up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My thanks again to Jamie Rachi for joining me on the podcast today. You can learn more about Jamie by checking out her website. She's over at fiatfem.com. That's F-I-A-T-F-E-M.com. We also chatted about Jamie's podcast that she co-hosts with nurse practitioner Teresa Kenny. Please do subscribe to the Hormone Genius podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. You can also find them on the web at hormonegenius.com. And from there, you'll be able to find links to their Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channel. I've left links to these in the episode description below. Please stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod, and you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All of this information can be found on our home on the web, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always. 